At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. This winter, we're taking a fresh look at a familiar story through our series, Jonah, At Odds with God. Tune in now as we face the same choice Jonah did, to receive God's mission or to resent it. My name is Vince Messina, and for the last eight months, I've had the privilege of being the interim campus pastor here at Chesterfield. That's coming to an end. We have a new campus pastor and family, Winston Dickerson, his wife Amanda, their three children. Tentative start date is March 1st. So be praying for them. Uh, they're currently on vacation, uh, enjoying some time away with family in California and Arizona. Nice places to have family. And uh, then they'll be, uh, they're still in that transition period where they're trying to sell their home in southern Indiana and look for housing up here. So be praying for them, please. Uh, that's a big transition for a family, especially when you have three kids that are in school and everything else. Lots of things to consider. So uh, be praying for them. Like many families, our family, the Messina family, uh, if you remember or don't remember, we have five children, four daughters, one son. We have gone through the series of pets. We've had goldfish. We've had parakeets. We've had dogs. We've had cats. My favorite are the dogs. And uh, we had one dog for about 11 years. His name was Rocco. Rocco was a giant Alaskan Malamute. He was uh, literally 136 pounds. And uh, he was big, fluffy, and all this kind of stuff. He kept thinking he was a lap dog. He'd try to sit on you and all this kind of things. He got it along well with the kids. But the one thing I learned about Malamutes, they're generally obedient dogs. Now, I didn't, two of my kids just bought dogs. And they have these dogs in obedience school. They have them in daycare center. And I'm thinking, okay, why did you get this dog? You know, but anyway, we didn't do any of that with Rocco. But he, he learned. And uh, he was doing pretty good. Uh, he established me as the alpha male real quick. And then everybody else in their family, in our family, had a peg. Okay? The kids were kind of like siblings. And uh, he wouldn't obey them half the time anyway, and, uh, but dad would. So every now and then I was thinking that I've got Rocco to a point where I can go for a walk around the neighborhood and maybe let him off the leash. So I would do that occasionally. And as we're walking along, he would walk alongside me for a little way. And then he'd take off. And I naturally, Rocco, he would yell. And he would stop about two houses down. And he'd sit there, and he'd look at me. <laughs> then he'd look again, and it was kind of like, bye, boom. <laughs> and he was gone. You know, this is a dog. What do we call that? Defiance, right? We're in a new series, Jonah at Odds with God. Anybody here never heard of Jonah? Okay, I don't see any hands. But Jonah is a familiar story, and we're going to spend the next several weeks going through the story of Jonah. And uh, today is introductory. I'm going to be sharing a lot of information uh, about Jonah and why uh, he's doing the kind of thing that he, he does. But our big idea today is defiance gets us nowhere. 
Defiance gets us nowhere. The hard thing about Rocco is going and finding him because uh, he would take off and as big a dog as he was, you know, he was hard to find. You just didn't find him anywhere. One of the fun things I always enjoyed about Rocco was in the summer because I would try to comb him out and he had this long hair and he had these bristly hair that was about that long, black and gray, and that's where he got his color from. But underneath that was like this really soft down kind of fur. And so when I washed him, gave him a bath, he would take days to dry out. So I would literally get the leaf blower and, and seriously, and, and blow dry him. You know, like this. And all this down, white down kind of fur is flying all over the place. And it literally would look like it snowed. That's how much fur would come out of him when I was blow dry. He loved it. He'd just sit there and go, ah. Well, the first time I raked up all that down. And I thought, well, this is kind of silly. So the next time I left it there. Do you know within an hour, there was no more down fur on the lawn? All the birds from the neighborhood would come and pick it up and take it and use it for their nests. So I think, what a wonderful recycling process, you know? <laughs> Here, ecology's working at its best. Defiance. We've all been there, aren't we? And, and the story that we're going to be sharing is about Jonah. And I'm, like I said, I'm going to be sharing some introductory material, some misconceptions about the uh, prophet Jonah. But the thing that we want to establish is that this book, the book of Jonah, four chapters, ultimately is about our gracious, forgiving God who exhibits his extravagant love to anyone who repent of their sin and take in his love. That's what the story's really about. Jonah's a main character, but he's not the main character. The main character in the book of Jonah is God. And that's who we want to highlight as we go through this. Now, you already know the story of Jonah. You already know that he was defiant. Now here's a good place where I could go to Webster's Dictionary or some other commentary to get a definition of the word defiant. Here's Vince's word of defiant. Defiant is disobedience with an attitude. Disobedience with an attitude. It's interesting that of the 17 prophetical books in the Old Testament of the Bible, Jonah is the only prophet who outright defied God. Now, some of the other prophets, Moses, for instance, uh, he hesitated. He knew what the Lord said, and he hesitated but, and gave excuses, but he went and did it. Jeremiah, certainly in his ministry, questioned the Lord's actions. Elijah the prophet certainly was scared when God told him what to do. But he went and did it. Jonah is the only one who outright defies God. Now, here's one thing I do not want this series to be for you. I don't want Jonah to be the bad guy that everybody points to and compares themselves to and then walks away at the end of the service and says, ah, 
you know what? I'm not that bad. <laughs> this would be easy to do because we're going to point out some things about Jonah. But the thing we're going to learn is that it's with us. And so I think primary to our understanding of defiance is to understand where it really comes from. Now, in a few moments, I'm going to be speaking about some of the practical reasons why Jonah hesitated or defied God. But there's a more basic reason. And this reason goes all the way back to Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3. In chapter 1 and 2, we see God's creation of the stellar universe. We see God's creation of the earth. We see God's creation of Adam and Eve, who are given the word of God, given the direction to subdue, to literally build this environment. Why? So that they could have shalom, peace, beauty, order, and environment, uh, shalom. And we see at the end of chapter 2, that's exactly what it was. They were in harmony with one another as husband and wife. They were in harmony with God who fellowshiped with them. They were in harmony with the creation itself. It brought shalom, peace. But what happens in chapter 3? The fall. Isn't it interesting how we use one word? to describe all the consequences that happened in that garden. The fall. It was more than the fall. Okay, so when we think about the unique things that happened in the garden, the temptation of Eve, Adam giving into it, the result of sin coming into their lives, separation between husband and wife, separation between people and God, and all the consequences that come on, it all boils down to one thing, ultimately, defiance. Adam and Eve knew exactly what God required of them. Adam and Eve knew exactly what God asked them not to do. And in the temptation of Satan, he elevates this will and this with, that's in each and every one of us to say, you know what? You can be like God. What is that called? Idolatry. Do you realize at the base of all of our sin nature, all the consequences that we sum up into one word, the fall, is idolatry. Idolatry is when God shares his word and I say no. Now, that's not true with any of you here, correct? Right? Okay, I'll be the only honest one. Yes. <laughs> Been there, done that. But that's the basis, okay? And that exists in each and every one of us in our sinful nature. Now, even as children of God, those who have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we still, because we are in process, we're not finished yet, our sanctification is progressing, okay? The reality is we still say no to God. And we know more of his word now than we ever have. But you see, that's the struggle that we all exist in. And that's why we can't just point the finger at Jonah, or your husband, or your wife, or your kids, 
or other people, okay? Because we're all there. Now, this is the good news of Jonah, the book. We're all there. And we could easily shame Jonah. We could easily feel this sense and heavy burden of guilt in our own lives and lots of shame. But the good news of the book of Jonah is God's extravagant forgiveness of our sin to the extent that he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for me and for you. We all come to the foot of the cross the same. And it's not with pride. Defiance. Let's look a little deeper into the text. Let me read for us Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. If you have your Bible or your device, or you can look up here if you would like to. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amidi, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it for their evil, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down from Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare and went down to it and go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Couple misconceptions of this book. Number one, that it's just some kind of Jewish fable. That it really didn't happen, and that the result is that it's supposed to have some kind of little nugget of moral or spiritual truth. Uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, how you, however you look at it, the reality is this book is written as an historical event, as a book that happened in time and space and happened to people. People were involved. In uh, Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, Jesus is talking with the Pharisees and uh, the group of people that were around him. He refers to Jonah when he refers to his coming, death, burial, and resurrection. And he says, as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days, so I will be in the belly of the earth. And then beyond Jesus' reference there, there are 40 other references, both in the Old and New Testament, to the book of Jonah. It's not a fable. It really happened. Yes, there was a great fish that swallowed a man for three days. Yes, there was this unbelievable plant that grew up overnight and even more interesting, an unbelievable worm that had a really good appetite and ate the whole plant. Okay? There are some things in here that we have not experienced. But that doesn't mean they didn't happen. And as we go through this book, we need to see it for what it is. It is a historical account for our learning, as the Apostle Paul says. Another misconception is that the book is primarily about Jonah. As I mentioned, 17 other prophets in the book of the Old Testament. Jonah is the only one who did outright defied God. So the confrontation in the book is not a, with Jonah and the great fish. Okay? confrontation was with Jonah and God. You been there? Wow. I think we all have. I think we all have. We'll talk more about that in a moment. The big idea again, defiance gets us nowhere. So what does defiance look like? 
Well, as we looked in verses 1 and 2, our first point is, I am God's servant. I know what God wants. Look at verse 1 there. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amidi. He is a prophet of Israel. And as a prophet of Israel, he speaks God's word. He doesn't speak with his own authority. He speaks with the authority of God's word. And it's the same thing with you and I. We have been called by God as his children to go and to preach the gospel. Matthew 28, go into all the world, make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them the word of God. Uh, Paul says we are his ambassadors to be able to share his word, the gospel. And so even though we may not have the gift of evangelism, even though we may not be called specifically as a prophet like the prophets were in the Old Testament, we know the word of God to us. And yet sometimes we say no. We come up with excuses. We come up with reasons. And the reality is we suffer the consequences of that much like Jonah does. I am God's servant. I know what his word is. Verse 3 shares Jonah's response. I like this. There's a conjunction there. You know what a conjunction is? Anybody remember fifth grade grammar? It's the word but. By the way, just a little insight, a little trail here. When I went to seminary, I had Greek in Bible college, but in seminary, they take Greek to another level. And Greek is one of those very exact languages. They have a word for everything. They have a rule for everything. They've got five different excuses for every rule, okay? Other things. And so it's a very exact language. And in order to really start learning Greek, I, I hate to admit this, but I had to go back and learn fifth grade grammar because I really didn't learn that real well. I don't know where my head was in fifth grade, but I didn't learn that very well. And so, again, we get into the passage here, and that little conjunction, but, that changes everything. How many conjunctions have you had in your life? How many times has the Lord come to you with a word? Something you should do, something you should say to someone, uh, an act to do. But that conjunction came in the middle of it. But Jonah, Jonah's response, he flees. <laughs> Standing here, Jonah, I don't know how God spoke to Jonah. Jonah, <laughs> get up, go to Nineveh. Preach repentance. Mm, no. And he takes off. Now, if I had a map of Palestine up here, you could see the degree of his defiance by the determination of where he was going. Assuming he's standing here in Israel somewhere. Nineveh is 550 to 600 miles in Jonah's day, that would have been about a three-month trip. So he's not going to go that way. So which way does he go? He goes the opposite direction. 
to Tarshish. Tarshish is 2,500 miles away. That's a year's journey in his day. Can you imagine that? This isn't just defiance with an attitude. There's intent behind this. I am not going to do what you're going to say, and I am going to go as far away from you as I can. Am I sharing some of our stories? Have we had those seasons in our life? We all have. We all have. So again, notice that the word came to the Lord. I, you know, and again, I can't imagine that Elijah, this morning when you woke up and you're laying in bed, your eyes open, boop. Is this the first thought in your head? You know, today would be as good as any day to defy the God of the universe who holds my life and my eternity in his hands. Would you think that? No. But we do it. And it's not that we do it because we plan it. But life comes in, challenges come in, and things make us afraid. So he's going to go down to Tarshish. Notice the word of the Lord came to him. And again, the word Lord in English is the word Yahweh. This is the big God. <laughs> This is the God of the universe. This is the creator of the universe, the sustainer of the universe, the one who is giving his word with his authority to a prophet to go to a people to preach repentance. This is big stuff. And yet he defies God and he goes his own way. Now, this isn't the first time Jonah heard the word of the Lord. If we go to 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 25, we see a situation where Israel has been in sin. That's why all these prophets have been prophesying to Israel. They're not doing what God told them to do. They're sinning. But what God does is interesting. Now, I'm not going to read the verse. I'll paraphrase it for you. Even though you are all living in sin and not repenting, God promises to expand the nation's borders all the way back to what we had when King Solomon reigned. Do you hear God sharing his grace and his mercy? And he's saying, listen, even though you're sinning right in my face, and even though you're not repenting, I'm going to bless you as a nation. I'm going to expand your borders back to what it was when Solomon was king. Why does God do that? Why does God sometimes bless us right in the middle of our defiance? Well, I think the Apostle Paul shares that thought in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, when he says, Or do you presume on the riches of God's kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead to repentance. I wish I had a nickel for every person who has ever shared their story with me, where somewhere in their story, they said, you know, Pastor Vince, I took a detour in my life. 
I knew exactly what God wanted me to do. I resisted, and I took a detour. Maybe it was in college. Maybe it was later in life. But then they come to that point of repentance, and they repent, and they draw back close to the Lord. And many of them will say, you know what? Even though I was rebelling against God, I can look back now and see how God protected me, how God watched over me, how God blessed me, even in my rebellion. And the Apostle Paul is sharing with us, and the truth of Jonah is that even in our defiance and our rebellion, God may bless us. It's not to condone our defiance, but it's to lead us to repentance. Why? Because he is a good and gracious and a forgiving God. Sometimes God blesses us even in spite of us. Another interesting thing about Jonah in this process of uh, leaving is you notice that the scripture says that he went down to Nineveh, in verse 3 there, um, he rose, he went to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He didn't go to Nineveh, he went to Joppa. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. <laughs> I, I really like this verse because we are so much in this verse. Did you ever not do what God wanted you to do? Did you ever defy God? And in your defiance, all these doors start opening up all these circumstances start taking place, and you kind of sit back, and maybe you had a couple bad thoughts where you're thinking, okay, I really shouldn't disobey the God of the universe, but you know what? Look at it. Everything's falling into place. Okay, you got to think Jonah, you know, 7800 B.C., and running from God in the opposite direction he wants you to go. And look at, wow, I get down to Joppa. Wouldn't you know it? There's a boat leaving. How often did a boat, merchant boat or whatever, leave from Joppa? Probably like once every six months, but look at the timing. And wouldn't you know they have one ticket left? And we look at circumstantial evidence of our life and we think, God must be blessing me. He must be agreeing with me. No. Satan can also create circumstances. And in our defiance, it's not necessarily God who's opening the doors. Been there? Done that? Sure. Again, we all have. So I know I'm a prophet of God, and I know what God says. Our second thought that we want to share quickly is that I know what the Word of God says. I know what God wants, but I will not do it. Okay, so this gets into the why. Why is Jonah not want to do what God told him to do? Well, Use a little bit of spiritual imagination here, okay? 
Give me a little grace. Jonah is a prophet to Israel. Israel is in a state of rebellion. Jonah, along with several other prophets of his time period, are preaching to the nation, their people, their families. You guys are in sin. Repent. You guys are in sin. Repent. The nation's not listening. And now Jonah, this prophet of Israel, is selected by God to go to this heathen nation, Assyria. Why would God do that? God shows his grace and mercy on his people. Assyria's not his people, are they? Maybe some of those thoughts were going there. Assyria was a world power at this time. Israel, as a little nation, has always been cramped between world powers, whether it was Babylon in Egypt or Assyria in Egypt. They were the ground that everybody fought on. And the thing is, I, here's what I think Jonah's thinking. If I go to Nineveh and I preach repentance, they may repent. And if they repent, God's going to forgive them. What's wrong with that? That's a good thing, right? But then he steps back. How can I preach repentance to this heathen nation when my own family, my own nation, is sinning? It's just my luck. I'm going to go to that nation. I'm going to preach repentance. And God is going to forgive them because they will repent. And God is good. God is gracious. God is merciful. And they will ex exercise. They will enjoy. They will receive his forgiveness. And then they'll probably be used of God to come and judge us because we're sinning and we're not repenting. Guess what? That's exactly what happened. You know, part of the most difficult thing about being a Christian and sharing the good news of the gospel is the challenges that other Christians put in front of us. Because we go to our unsafe family, we go to our unsafe neighbors, we go to our unsafe people at work, and we say, you know what, Jesus has died for you, and if you repent, you can have eternal life with him and all this kind of stuff. And they say, why would I want to do that? Look at Joe over there. He's a Christian. Look at his life. It is, isn't it? It's a challenge. But that's not why we share the good news of the gospel. We share the good news of the gospel because of what God can do to a repentant heart. Jonah knew the word of God, but he didn't want to do it. If I follow Jesus, if I do what God is asking of me, I won't like the results, and the cost will be too high. Have you ever thought that? One of the things I would love to do, if we had time and if we could, is like, start over here, and one by one, go down each row with each person, okay? 
all the way across the auditorium to here and ask the question, what is God asking you to do? I'm going to guess 90% of us could come up with something really quick. Maybe it's offering forgiveness to our spouse. Maybe our children. Maybe children obeying their parents. Maybe it's sharing the gospel with that neighbor, that coworker that you've been sitting with for five years and they don't even know you're a Christian. Maybe it's being baptized, taking that next natural step. Maybe it's serving in an area where God has gifted you so that collectively we can praise and honor and worship him as we minister to one another. I don't know what it may be, but I'm betting that almost every one of us has a word from the Lord of the next thing we should do. And the question comes, why haven't you done it? In closing, this short story of a lady who uh, had been saved, middle 30s, I believe it was. 17 years later, she comes to me. She says, Pastor Vince, I want to be baptized. I said, well, that's great. That's really cool. She says, no, it's not. I said, why not? She said, because the Lord's been speaking to me about this for 17 years. Every time somebody mentions it, I cringe. Every time the pastor preaches on it, I pull back. And it's something I know I should do, but I'm not going to do it. So I had the joy of baptizing her. And as I was bringing her up out of the water, she just burst into tears, almost uncontrollably. And, you know, I, I kind of asked her afterwards, I said, what was going on there? She said, it was like a weight was taken off of me. Defiance leads us nowhere. Obedience brings blessing and freedom in spite of the challenge of ministry. We're going to find out as we continue in our series that eventually Jonah goes back to where he started and he actually goes to Nineveh. And Nineveh's not a little town. It's a huge city. Could have been as many as 600,000 people based upon some of the other information that we get in that passage. It took them three days to walk across it. No small challenge. Where's your heart today? Again, I'm not here to lay a weight of guilt or shame on us because we're all there as sons and daughters of Adam as well as just our life experience. But what is God asking you to do? Why are you not doing it? Those are good questions. Today's your opportunity. As the worship team comes, if there's something God is speaking to you about, and you might say, Pastor Vince, how do I know God's speaking to you, to me? You know it. You know it. You've known it enough to defy it and to not listen. But the good news of Jonah is the repentance and the forgiveness God gives us when we obey him. 
Maybe it's salvation. Maybe you need to come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Believing that he died on the cross for our sin, was buried, and is risen victorious over sin and death. Maybe it's to take that next step in your walk with Jesus, in baptism. Maybe it's something else. We're going to have a number of our folks over here by the connect table who would love to pray with you, show you from God's word some of the answers that maybe you're looking for. But in the meantime, as we go, one last story. This book is special to me because on June 22nd of this year, 60 years ago, now you're getting an idea of how old I am, at the age of eight, I was in vacation Bible school. That's kids camp back in the old days. And Vacation Bible School was every day from 9 to 12 for two weeks, okay? And our teacher, Mrs. Cross, was sharing flannel graph story. You remember what flannel graph is? Okay, where you have the cutouts and you put them on. And, well, she was teaching Jonah. And, and so Jonah's over here and the whale's over here and she's talking about God's rebellion and so she peels off Jonah here, puts him a little closer, peels off the whale, which, by the way, wasn't a whale. Sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> and the coloring pages that we hand out in children's ministry are not correct. The Jews had very specific words for whale and for fish. And neither in the Old Testament nor in the New Testament is the word whale ever used. It's a great fish. I don't know what kind of fish. I don't know the details. Maybe when I get there, I can find out. Okay? But she shared the story of Jonah, and she would move Jonah over, then move the fish over, and finally the fish ate Jonah. You know, and she went through the whole story. But at the end of it, she gave the salvation message. And at eight years old, I understood enough of that story that I prayed to receive Jesus Christ into my heart. That is testimony of God's grace and God's love. Jonah never knew about me, but God did. If you're here today, let's pray. And make that decision you've been waiting on. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the joy that we have in knowing Jesus. Father, if there are needs that need to be met today, decisions that need to be confirmed with you, Father, give people the courage to do that. And Father, especially as we sing this last song, Father, it ties in so well because you truly are a God of love, forgiveness, and repentance. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.